Hey, welcome. Thank you for being part of Mariners today. I'm Paul. I'm one of the pastors here. It's uh, really, really good to see you guys. Beautiful day. God's given us and a great chance in here. Worship was great. So um, I'm, I'm glad again. It's a, it's a good day to be here. A little stiff, a little sore um, today. I was upstairs yesterday. We're doing some con- reconstruction of, of the upstairs. And we had guys that were good with framing and guys that are good with electrical and guys that are good with sheetrock and all that. And I'm good for nothing up there, that kind of stuff. <laughs> So um, they had a bunch of, of junk, debris, and so my job, my job, my skilled job was loading it in a big bin and, and you know, hauling it down with, with a hand truck and then hauling it back up again. So um, I'm a little, a little sore, but the purpose of what we're doing <coughs> is what we want to do is, and kind of the goal of our mission of our church is to get Jesus to as many people as possible. And what we're finding is, is that um, sometimes we're running out of space. In fact, as you look around the room right now, while you see some empty chairs, it, this room is basically full. Okay, it's, it's basically full. And sometimes people come in, they have trouble finding chairs, they can't sit together. They say, uh, this is kind of a hard place to come, and we're not going to come here anymore. And so we're opening up the upstairs, and the upstairs is going to have, um, I just want to call it preferred seating. You know, this is the, the expensive seats up there. But, and there's going to be kind of a whole new atmosphere for people. There's going to be um, coffee and place to sit around and talk and then move in to worship. It's going to be the worship from here. It's, we're going to project it and, and shoot it on upstairs. But we want to make openings and build it and make it possible for up there. Um, so it's a, lot of, it's a lot of fun for us to kind of envision this and put this thing all together. We're calling this The Loft, and, and, and it'll be all happening probably around Christmas Eve time. And so... Um, we're going to be asking some of you to some of the life groups to make a commitment to go up there and and just kind of create a whole different kind of atmosphere for worship and for connection up there. And, and we're going to see kind of how how it does go. What it does mean, though, is we're going to have to, again, project or, or, or shoot up what's happening here upstairs. And, and so in order to not make it static, those of you that kind of understand this kind of stuff, we're going to have separate camera angles, you know, going on here. So you're just not looking at one person all the time. It's not say. This way, by the way, is the beginning of my tele-evangelism ministry. I just want to let you know. <laughs> so we actually need people that understand that kind of stuff, you know, audios and, and, and visual, particularly visual. And so we're going to need some of you, we're going to ask some of you to learn camera operation, believe it or not. You just how to switch things and, and move stuff around and, and all that. It's not that technical. And just to make it all happen upstairs. And so it'll be a really good thing. It's, it's again, our call to reach as many people um, with the message of Jesus as possible. And why would God bring people here if they don't have a good place to sit, you know? And so what we're going to say is, okay, God, in faith, we're going to open that upstairs for that. And so if you'd like to help in any of that, in any aspects of that, please let us know, particularly now with the technical stuff. That's beginning to happen. And if you've been upstairs, look around. We've done some reconstruction and, and deconstruction. And if you look at any openings, walls, realize there was a lot of wall board that had to be torn out and realize that somebody <laughs> had to carry that downstairs. And that was, and that was me. Hey, well, the whole Thanksgiving um, and, and Christmas thing has, has started. It's here, you know, like it or not. It's, it's going on here. Um, you could call this season Thanksgiving, you know, because it's kind of the whole deal, isn't it? I mean, it starts and it just, it doesn't stop because once you do the whole turkey thing, then it's like full on now for Christmas. And it, it's all involved with preparing and planning and cooking and buying and decorating and making room for guests or figuring out your travel plan and all that. Hallmark Channel is now 100% Christmas, 100%. 
I should know. I have to avoid those rooms that have it on. Okay, they're, they're there. And somebody in our life group actually has already addressed all her Christmas cards, all of them. Yeah. We don't like her very much, but she's already, she's already done that. And, and not to panic any of you, but, but go ahead, go ahead, Matt. There's 264 hours until the turkey comes out of the oven, so realize that. It is coming, it is happening, um, it is happening fast. And I have a couple of questions um, about Christmas this, this time of year. One of them is, is, why has this season of giving thanks and the birth of God's Son gotten so out of hand? You know? I mean, it's gotten so commercial. Do you, re- you realize it? I mean, our whole lives are now revolved around what? Thanksgiving and Christmas. I mean, this is, this is it. We're, we're going out at full steam. Why has a season of just simple giving thanks to God and the birth of a baby, God's son, gotten so crazy, wild, you know, with all the kinds of things that come with it? The wreaths, the trees, the lights, the relatives, the food, the desserts, the parties. And why do we get so caught up in all this crazy stuff too? And the, and the second question I would ask, and this is one that we can begin to kind of camp on or focus on, is how can I actually let God work through me and in me in the midst of this stuff? You know, in the midst of this, because I am not going to stand countercultural and say, let's, you know, resist this and not buy turkeys and let's, you know, not give any gifts. I, I don't, because I like that kind of stuff, actually. I, I really do. But how can I, how can we as people that are called into this world, you know, and Mark talked about the surrender thing, we surrender ourselves to God. How can we, as, as people of God now in this world, actually let God work in us and through us in the midst of this kind of a season? How can we capitalize on this kind of a thing? And that's what we're going to spend the next couple of weeks on, and that's what we're going to spend a few moments on right now. So would you pray with me, please? God, um, you help with this, and I pray that you um, speak through me and speak into our hearts. Move us to be the people that you would want us to be here on this coast and with our families and in this world. And thank you for what you're going to do now in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're calling this series um, right before Thanksgiving and Christmas reasons for this season. And, 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 I, and I guess I'd, I'd love to say and just have us, you know, figure this out. Um, let's figure this thing out so that we can let God work through us to touch a bunch of lives. And the first thing I want to talk about is giving. Okay, giving. And that's a kind of a normal thing we think of when we think of this time of year. We all know giving is such a huge part of this. We call it thanks what? Thanksgiving. We give, we give, we give thanks. Thanksgiving. And, and for Christmas, the number one question being asked today um, to you, to people around, and maybe to your kids, is what do you what? What do you want for Christmas? You know, what do you want for Christmas? What would you like for Christmas? My, my wife hit me with that one last night, and it's like, man, i got to think of that one, you know? Because I don't, I, don't, I don't know, you know? I, I, I think of lots of things now, but I didn't know last night. Now, the Bible is all about giving. You know, when you think about giving, the Bible is, is really all, all about that. You do a little bit of a word search. You'll find the word believe in the Bible 272 times. You'll find the word praise 371 times. You'll see the word love 714 times. But the word give, you'll find it over 2,100 times in the Bible. It's just, it's just, it's a book about giving. God's giving to us, how God has given so richly to us, and how God gives and gives and gives and gives. And then we give back to God, but then we also give back to other people. In fact, Proverbs, the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament says this, Blessed are those who are generous. I mean, God will bless those who open their hearts to other people. This generosity thing's a big deal. 
God in establishing his people Israel in the land. And this is the rules he said. He said, look, you're coming into a new land, and this is what I would like you to do. It says, when you're harvesting your crops and forget to bring in a bundle of grain from your field, don't go back to get it. Don't go back to pick it up. Leave it for the foreigners, the orphans, and widows. Then the Lord your God will bless you in all you do. What an interesting concept. You know, you're walking in and you drop something. He says, don't, don't, don't go back and get it. Leave it for somebody else. And immediately you think of the economy behind that or the you know, economy behind that. If, I, if I'm dropping stuff, that's not going to be good for business. But God says, said, said, don't, because God will bless you in all you do. He goes on to say, when you beat the olives from your olive trees, don't go over the boughs twice. Leave the remaining olives for the foreigners, the orphans, and the widows. You see how God is kind of establishing a whole heart to just look out for people? When you gather the grapes in your vineyard, don't glean the vines after they're picked. Leave the remaining grapes for the foreigners, the orphans, and the widows. Again, again, and again, and again, you've got God saying, look, open it up. Open up your heart, people. It's pretty simple that God established us to be givers. And and it's like this season has given us the perfect time to do it. Because I sometimes wonder about, God, why all this craziness of time? It's like God is saying, okay, I'm giving you a perfect time to display the kind of giving that I want to establish in your heart and in your life. Now's the time. Now's a great time to do it. So let's capitalize on this. So we want to understand really what giving's all about. And, and then we're going to be talking about loving and faith and joy. But let's see a video first. Talk a little bit about giving, okay? I know. 
Isn't that cute? And now they're all misty-eyed, you know. I got I to gotta talk to you some, some more. How can I make this a season of giving? I mean, how can I have that kind of a heart and that kind of a spirit? And get, how do I give better? You know, how can I give more? How can I change what's on the inside here so that I can, I can, I can, I can do it and get more joy in it and see God work in it? First of all this, if you want to take notes, great. I need to give myself to God, and I need to give myself to others as well. A little, little Bible situation that's going on. This is in um, um, the New Testament. The people in Jerusalem were in trouble, um, particularly the believers in Jesus. Bad crop, bad weather, bad crop again, more bad weather, drought, bugs, all that kind of stuff caused famine. And the people that were getting hit the hardest were obviously those in Jerusalem, but particularly those that were believers in Christ. At that point in time, they were, as an early church, becoming marginalized from other people and excluded, and business opportunities were shrinking away. And so the early church in Jerusalem was really struggling, and the people were really, really having a tough time. So Paul in the Bible says this to the other churches that are around. I'm talking about in other countries even. Hey, we should help them. There are brothers and sisters in Christ. We need to help them. And that included the people in Corinth in a church there. And so he started a collection. They started to collect for the people in Jerusalem. And Paul said, when I swing by, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the money that you've collected. I'm going to take it to them, and they'll be really happy about all that. But out of sight, out of mind, um, the collection just kind of fell short, and they just kind of forgot all about it. Because it happens to all. And, And the Jerusalem people were struggling, and so Paul sends a letter. And it's in 2 Corinthians in the Bible. And as he's writing them, all kinds of principles about our hearts forgiving begin to be revealed and what we should be doing and what it should look like and how it should turn about. Paul says this, Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. Okay, you're thinking, what in the world? Well, there's another bunch of churches, and those are in churches in Macedonia. And he's talking about the same giving campaign that was going on in Corinth for the people in Jerusalem. You follow so far? A little complicated triangulation there. He says, I want you to give you an example of what's going on to the, in the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles, and they are poor. They're poor. They're poor, too. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it of their own free will. What he's saying is people in Jerusalem were getting money from people in Macedonia, and the people in Macedonia had less. They had less. It says they begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift of believers in Jerusalem. And you just think, who are these people? And why are they so weird? Being able to, when they don't have anything at all, being able to give so much. Have you ever thought what you do with 10 million bucks? Ever thought of that? Anyone ever? You know, 5 million, 10 million, you know, you think about it, it's like, yeah, I think that kind of stuff, you know, once, once, once in a while, you know. You think if I had that much, I'd probably do this, I'd probably do that. You know, I'd buy this, I'd buy that, I'd pay off this, I'd, I'd pay off that. And if I had $10 million, I'd, I'd give, you know, I'd give. And we think through the places that we would give to, okay? We kind of think through that, I'd give to this or I'd give to that. These people had 10 cents, and they gave. It says this, they're being tested by many troubles and they're very poor, but they're also filled with abundant joy, which is overflowed 
in rich generosity. Now stay with me on this one because we're going to do kind of a little bit of word issues, problems here. There's an equation here for you math people, and I know some of you are math people and like that, and God bless you for what you do, but uh, I don't think that way. I, I, I usually think an equation works something like this in regards to my economic situation. Money plus ease equals joy and generosity. I mean, don't you think of it that way? If I have money, you know, and I have ease, a life of ease, and everything's going well, then I'm going to be much more joyous, particularly with the ease part. I'm going to be much more generous. You give me a lot of money, give a life of ease, I'm going to be joyful, I'm going to have generosity. But here, these people, they had trouble and they had poverty, and that equals joy and generosity. And you think, well, how's that work out? If you, if you have trouble and if you have poverty, that usually doesn't mean you're really joyful and it doesn't mean you really give a lot. It makes no sense. So there has to be something else in the equation. And those of you that are into algebra, and I got my first C was in the class of algebra. Okay, algebra gave me a C. I never understood it. I never got it because they always wanted me to find what? X. I always had to find X. Do you know I have gone 40 years and I've never found X? I've never had to find X. X doesn't still matter to me. But what you have now here in this is you have troubles plus poverty plus X. And we've got to figure out what that X is equals joy and generosity. You follow that? What is X? What is X in here? It says this. Their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us just as God wanted them to do. And if, you, if we want to be the kind of givers that God would want in us and through us, we have to have the equation trouble, even though we're going through trouble, and even though we don't have very much, plus giving self to God and others will equal joy and generosity. There you go. Not having a lot does not mean you cannot be generous. Not going through the best of times does not mean you can't be joyful. And you give yourself to God, and you give, you'll see life as life was intended to be, and you give yourself to others, you see them as God wants. And you... When you get that, you get generosity and you get joy. It's interesting that the Bible says this, but just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace giving. giving. Second thing is see people in need. And this was an interesting one. And this is the economy back then in the Old Testament times. This is this, for six years you're to sow your fields and harvest your crops, but during the seventh year let the land lie unplowed and unused. Now some of you are in agriculture, some of you do the farming stuff, or you grew up on farms or on ranches, and you kind of understand the way things go, is every year you plant, and, and maybe two or three times you're able to, to harvest and all this kind of stuff. What it's saying is, for six years you can do that, every seventh year you let it go. You let it go, everything, you let it go. You don't do anything at all. And suppose you make your living from the land, and every seventh year you let it go. Why? Why do you do that? This is what God says, and this is the way he wanted them to live. Then the poor among your people may get food from it, and the wild animals may eat what they leave. Do the same with your vineyard and your olive grove. You just let it go. And I guess at that point in time, you look out from your house, and you look in the fields, and you begin to see people in your field, people that you never knew were in need. The Bible says this, if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of those in trouble, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. 
Now, something bothers me about this six-year thing. Something bothers me, and it may bother you as well. You know, suppose the, the command was for us today to do that. For six years, you'd work in your business. The seventh year, let it go. You know, let it go. Or every seven years, give all your income away. You know, to somebody, we think, how the heck am I supposed to do that? The numbers don't add up, do they? I mean, they just simply don't, don't add, add up. I'm a farmer, but seventh year, I don't do anything. I'm pretty sure it doesn't work. I'm pretty sure that won't work. I mean, every year, every seventh year, my income is zero. You do the math on that one. Because what we say is if I give generously like that, what the heck is going to happen to me? If I were to be a generous giver, the way like you want to be, probably deep down inside, the main reason that we withhold giving is not because we're greedy people. I don't know very many greedy people, and I assume most of you aren't. The reason we don't give like we know we probably should is because of what? Who's going to take care of me? Well, this is the next one because I then need to trust God to resupply. In fact, God anticipates the question with the whole farmer thing. It says this. You may ask, what will we eat in the seventh year if we do not plant or harvest our crops? Good question. God says this. I will send you such a blessing in the sixth year that the land will yield enough for three. And I always think if I had more, then I'd be generous. What God is saying is, no, you be generous, and then you'll have what? You'll have more. See how it works? I always think if I had, if I, if I had more, I'd be so generous. God is saying, no, when you are generous, then you'll have more. Because all of a sudden, a new aspect of this whole giving thing comes in, and this whole aspect of faith and trust in God. And when I have faith and trust in God, then God becomes God in my life. Mark talked about who's on the throne of your life. All of a sudden, God is, because I'm having to trust in him. And I'm not talking just about money. You know, I'm not pressuring anyone to give more into the buckets. Don't worry about that. What I'm talking about is as the season comes on, give. Give more. Give more to people. Give of your time, more of your time. Give of your home to people. Open up your life in attention. The Bible says this, give freely and spontaneously. Don't have a stingy heart. The way you handle matters like this triggers God's blessing in everything you do. Isn't that cool? There are always going to be poor and needy people among you, so I command you always be generous. Open purse and hands. Give to your neighbors in trouble. Just give. Just give. And the last one I just want to talk about is, is I can start where I am. Anyone can start where you are. Great story, and, and, and this one is supposed to be true, and, and as I read it, just kind of imagine what's going on. It's by a woman called, named Edie Ogan, and it's called The Richest Family in Church. Write that down if you'd like, and go, look, go Google it, and you can read the, kind of the whole story on this one, The Richest Family in Church. And it describes an event in Edie's childhood when the pastor of the church, small country church, you know, just uh, you know, a couple handfuls of people were, were there, and, and, and they were, he announced a special offering on Easter Sunday for the poor, for a poor family in town. And it was 1946, and, and Edie's dad had died a few years earlier, leaving them with very, very little. But they decided that they wanted to participate in this offering. Even though they didn't have very much, they wanted to be a big part of this thing. And so she, her sisters, and her mother, they sacrificed, and they scrimped, and they saved, and they... 
ate potatoes for their meals, and they took side jobs and odd jobs, and they were excited when they pooled their money together and their change, and they realized they had been able to save 70 bucks for this offering. 1946, they didn't have a lot. They were going to give $70 for this, and so they went to the bank and they exchanged their crumpled bills and change for three crisp $20 bills and a $10 bill, and they were excited about that, and they were so happy, and then the offering came by, and as the buckets or the plates were passed, they placed the money in the offering plate, and um, they went home and were happy, and they had a special meal for Easter Sunday, and they were excited about them being able to participate. Later that day, there was a knock at the door, and it was a pastor of the church, and the pastor dropped off an envelope to them. And it was the envelope with the gift of the money that the church had raised for the poor family. And they all of a sudden had to realize, we're the poor family in church. It's us. And suddenly they didn't feel very joyous, and they didn't feel very excited about their ability to participate. And eventually they opened the envelope to see what was inside, and out fell their three, their four bills that they had given and 17 $1 bills, $87 of which they had given what? They had given 70 They didn't want to go to church the next Sunday, but they reluctantly did. And the next Sunday there was a missionary speaker who asked for a special offering for a roof for an orphanage. And Edie's family had been wondering what to do with that $87, and so they just simply put it in the plate as it was passed for the orphanage. And the offering came back, and the missionary announced that the offering in the church um, was was $107. And he praised the little church for such a great offering and said, you must have some very rich families in this little church. And Edie's family realized that they were now not the poor family in the church, but they were the what? The rich family in the church. It doesn't matter the amount you give. It doesn't. Remember Jesus when he's talking about the widow? You know, as he was watching that, there were people that were pouring in their money, and and the widow gave the two cents. And he said, she's given more than all the others. They gave out of their wealth. She gave out of her need. And again, we're going to be passing buckets doing doing that last song. This is not for that, okay? This is the kind of heart that we are to have in this world that God has placed us in with people around us and the lives around us. And those that are not just simply in need financially, but those that are in need emotionally. Some people just don't have a place to go for Thanksgiving. And you're going to say, but it's going to wreck that dynamic if I invite them to my family. You know, they're going to see how nutty my family actually is. Well, good. Their family's nutty too. You know, just in, invite them in. Open your home. Open your heart and then open your life. And you're going to say, well, what's going to happen if I do that? We trust God. We trust God to resupply. The Bible says that we love because he first what? he first loved us. That's Jesus Christ. We love him because he first loved us. We give because he first what? Gave to us. One of the most famous verses in all the Bible. For God so loved the world that he what? He gave. Gave his only son. So as this season approaches, 
pray. This is where God's Holy Spirit works in lives and in your life. And you're going to see somebody and you're going to all of a sudden realize God is calling me to do something with that person, for that person, to invite them into my household, to invite them into my life, maybe to give a secret gift to them so I can give them the blessing that, that God's just placed on my heart for them. This is a great season. And one of the reasons for this season and the craziness of it and why God allows it to happen the way it is is so that we have the opportunity to reveal to the world this is what giving looks like. God has given so richly to me, I'm going to give richly back. The Bible says freely we have received so we can freely, freely give. Worship team, would you guys come on up and we're going to finish with just a moment to pray and a moment to reflect. God has placed somebody on your heart. Um, that's, that's awesome. That's wonderful. God is placing in your mind someone, something that you can do, maybe do as a family, a project that can make a difference in the world, giving of your time and your energy. Great. God, may this season be different for us for every single person here touched by you, may they give themselves to you and then may they open hearts to others. Jesus, work in a real and living way in our hearts, please. God, do your work. Thank you so much for the giving that you gave to us in Christ. That we can have forgiveness and freedom in you because he loves us first. And freely we've been given, we're going to freely give. Thank you, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for being part of today. I'm glad that you came, and I uh, hope you enjoyed the day. Listen, a couple things. One, if you, if you feel a need for someone to pray with you, for you, it can be a spoken request or an unspoken. We have a prayer room there, and I want to remind you of that. We have great people that will be there just to talk to you or pray with you and all that. If you have questions about next steps, what do you do in your spiritual growth or life, go back there to the Welcome Center or talk to anybody up front, and we'd be happy to help you guys. Let's stand. We're going to finish with a final song. God bless. Have a great day in the Lord. Thank you.